Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of Transformation Church, and with me back again today is the Lead Pastor, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and uh, I say another sermon, but it certainly, coming off this weekend, was a sermon different than any other sermon that we have done at Transformation Church, or certainly have done um, in quite a while. It's, <laughs> I, I've... It was just unique. But before we get into that, uh, special guest on the podcast today is Miss Karen Swan. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, Karen, thank hey you for thank you for joining us. You're so welcome. Karen needs a nickname. Wait, well, I've I'm, had too many bad nicknames. I'm pretty locked into K Swan personally. Yeah, so. that's Chase not Swan, a nickname. Though. Care Bear. Oh, care, well, care Bear. Uh, the yeah. interns call it Care Bear. Interns call it Care Bear. Uh, I refuse to call anyone that. Uh, the students used to call me Mama Swan, Mama but in Swan. high oh, school, God. but in high school, <laughs> Mama Swan. <laughs> yeah, they did. Michaela will still call me that sometimes. Mama. Mm-hmm. Mama Swan. That's weird. Yep. I'm gonna be Papa Oswald. No, 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 no. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy Oswald. <laughs> <Okay>. Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but Mom, anyways, Mama Swan. Yeah, and then oh, and when sounds... I was in high school, there was this dude. His name was Hayes, and he. Oh, we've talked about yeah, Hayes before. Hayes, H-A-Z-E? Like like Hayes? No, it's H-A-Y-E-S. We've talked about oh, Hayes, Hayes Not on the podcast, but we have talked about oh, Hayes. Oh, I remember this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Hayes used to call me uh, K-Ron, and then it got shortened to like Ronnie, and then it became this whole thing, Wait. and people used to call me Ronnie Swanee in high school. Ronnie is short for K-Ron? Yeah. K-Ron. K-A-Ron. Ronnie Swanee. K-A-Ron. That's yeah. fine. All right, AA Ron. <laughs> so that's all. That's all weird. You people from Georgia have nothing better to do. Like y'all, <laughs> Ronnie. That's offensive. <laughs> no, you. I'm. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. And not all Georgians. Not all Georgians. Not normal Georgians. Just that's, the small town. Not Georgians. those Atlanta Georgians. <clears throat> yeah, those are pretty common people. Hayes. Those are common folk. <laughs> I wonder if Hayes is listening. Probably not. Hey, I'm gonna look him up and send him this link. If you're listening, <laughs> listening. If you're listening, uh, Hayes. Ronnie uh, says, "Hey, Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie Swanee." I haven't talked to Swanee Hayes Ronnie. Then. Swanee Ronnie. That sounds weird. Anyways, if you're still listening, uh, well, I'm gonna <laughs> think of a good nickname. I've never thought about this because I've just thought about you know when John was on, we talked about his nicknames. Yeah. So you need a nickname. I'm gonna think of one. I don't want a nickname from you. Too bad. <laughs> The good news is, apparently, from Justin, it takes about a decade to get right, one to stick. Right. So, um, you know, we'll see. K Swan. For now, it's just K Swan or Swan. Yeah, we can so, just stick with Swan. But no, we're pumped, uh, excited for coming off a, a a good weekend. It was just uh, for those of you maybe you haven't heard the sermon or you haven't heard about the sermon or uh, you just. It's your first time listening. Um, uh, this past Sunday, and you can go into uh, the podcast archives and you can look at the sermon from this past week. It was called A Fight for Life. Um, and it was, uh, uh, it was a sermon where we talked about 
really uh, the sanctity of human life. I mean, the value of, of human life and particularly in the context of abortion. Um, but I would dare say, um, I'm not even dare say, I would absolutely say differently than most people are having conversations about abortion, particularly mm-hmm. from a religious context. Um, because most people, most pastors that are having conversations or preaching about abortion are preaching from a um, very right-wing conservative position, which I'm not saying is wrong. Um, we just don't necessarily take that angle. Uh, we don't take that angle in general. Um, not that, well, anyways, uh, not to say that any of us are Republicans uh, and not that any of us are Democrats. We all have our <laughs> own little space that we identify with. I definitely do. And, uh, Justin has his own space Justin he identifies his with. Safe, yeah. <laughs> It's his own personal space that no one else is in. He just is there by himself. But all that to say, um, he's uh, Justin and myself, and I don't, Karen, we don't really have the comment. We don't talk about politics a lot in the office from the context of what party any of us belong to. Right. But we do talk about politics in the office quite a bit, mainly because yeah. Justin's a Twitter junkie. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, so he's constantly like on. In I know, scroll mode. I Twitter. know what's going on in the world, though. He, at least in the political world. So, but you know, that's the world. I mean, well, what's going on in the world? You know, that's your little camp. And here's what I told Karen one day because Karen was like, "I don't know. Like, I don't know. So, this is what I think. I think someone needs to determine what you believe. Like, you like for someone like Karen. You remember you told me like you don't. Like, oh, who do yeah. I listen to? Who do I watch? Like, what yeah. channel? Like, do I watch CNN or Fox News? And I was like, well, first of the all, if you're watching no. none, <laughs> none of the above. To any of the above. Or all of the above, right? <laughs> right. If you got to do either none or all. I don't yeah. think you can just do one. Um, so, so, anyways, it's like you got to figure out where your beliefs are as a person. It's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I just read the Bible. Okay. <laughs> The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles <laughs> that it. That settles right. it. And Actually, and I don't like that saying. Right I don't like that saying. And not what... A, po- a politician says the Bible says, but right. perhaps what it actually says. Right. Well, I don't like that saying that I just said, that old school saying. What's Man, that? I used to say The that Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Yeah. Well, whether you believe it or not is irrelevant. Right. True. The Bible says it. The Bible it, says it. That settles that it. That settles it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which translation though? Oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Karen was like, I don't know. That I don't. MSG you know, she's trying to feel an extra fool. She's trying to learn because the problem with our the younger generation, like millennials specifically, is the which we are the level. Which of, I'm much younger. Let's just clarify. Uh, much is big word. I'm like <laughs> eight nine years younger than you. Uh, n- no. Yes. How old are you, Karen? Twenty five. Well. You're 33. <laughs> that is eight years. Okay, so <laughs> my dog said, well, well <laughs> anyways, well, you said eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. well, which felt know. like ten. You should say seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how it goes in our office, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, but the the level of apathy uh, between uh, on millennials of not not only not knowing what's going on, but like don't even care to know. So, sure. anyways, Karen was asking like, I don't know what to do. Like, who do I like? So I was like, you got to find out what you believe. Like, what are your beliefs on? immigration or like do you think people should be able to come in or do you think we throw up a wall and or, or whatever or you know uh, abortion like we put it in the context of the, the topic of the day right mm-hmm. like what do you believe and then you find i would say people that support that not even necessarily a party mm-hmm. right 
That's my opinion. I well, think yeah. I think millennials, if we're going to talk about about them for a second, I think that they are not interested in like party affiliation as much as the older generations have been. Oh, uh, for sure. And, and and we're seeing we're seeing humongous political shifts um in in that with the young people. I mean, AOC, you know, of course, do she's not. A, she's do a Democrat. Not. That's what I'm saying, but but she's the youngest woman. She's the youngest she person is, yes. ever to Congress. She's 29. Yeah. She's a woman, you know, but she's a a democratic socialist and is, is proud of that. Which you know, for the record, there's a there is a difference between a socialist and a democratic socialist. So True. Uh, so there is a difference and she will make sure that distinction is made when someone says you're even in interviews like you claim to be a socialist. She's like, "No, I'm a democratic socialist." Neither here nor there. I'm not advocating for that or throwing my support behind. I'm just saying there is a distinction um but you're seeing you know you're seeing what we're speaking for but then you throw in i think that i think as a nation we are getting more liberal in the sense of take millennials right this is the first generation where like multi-ethnic is like a part of their they they go to school in most parts of the world like having friends of different ethnicities is just so common because as the country has grown and as people intermean like my cousins like i have cousins that are latin american you know they're cuban and black because in, they inter, intermarried i don't yeah. know if that's a politically in, correct word. you heard and, it you know you heard it here folks <laughs> um yeah. and, and i think that's great and then all of their friends like especially where my cuban cousins are from from miami like everyone's yeah part something else right. you know um and i think it's cool so you're seeing that so yeah i just um so many people just don't even not only do they not know, don't care, which and because they don't know if they vote, they're voting for who their parents always voted for. Right. Um, and I just, I'm not down with that. So educate yourselves, people. Yeah, because it, it is important. Yeah, it it is, and that, that's why I think uh, even going with what Karen said, you know, I think that millennials are so detached from this world. They live in their own bubble. Um, that they've made on their Instagram profile. And um, so I think that many, Golly. many of them are very detached from the world. Um, and so there's a lot, I will say, I feel like the last few presidents and maybe it, maybe it's just because that's been my coming of age, you know, I'm 31. Um, I feel like the last few presidents have been more, have, have made decisions that have directly affected the individual American more than the presidents before them. So when I go back to like Bush senior and Clinton and some of them, I don't feel like they made as many decisions that affected the individual American as much as the last few have, which is terrible because we got millennials that care less about the individual rights, uh, you know, and, and so it's like a weird, yeah. And, and, uh, position to be in. and I don't know if that's true or, I don't know or you're noticing it. Yeah, I think I'm just I maybe just me being an adult. So, you know, and it's like it's it's little things, you know, and, and just, if, if you're on Twitter, you may have seen the hashtag like the GOP tax scam hashtag GOP tax scam. Was like, right, there's right, a tax right. cut yet. The the average tax return was reduced by one hundred seventy dollars because of, so the middle class. And the lower class, you know, the middle class specifically, you know, there was all this talk, talk about a tax cut, but the middle class is actually getting less back on their return. Like I owe, there's a $3,000 difference between this year's tax return and last year for me. And I'm middle class. You know what I mean? Like where- I think I don't, you're high class. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what tax cut they're talking about. Right. You know, <laughs> but, but it was a big difference for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it goes back to the whole, and that's I'm not getting political, like as far as what, but- 
the tax cut was for a specific group of people. They're yeah. seeing a tax cut, but most of us aren't. Um, so all that to say, you got to figure out which camp you're going to be. That's in. right. So, uh, and let me suggest. Oh, well, there are more options than the two you hear about. Oh, say Come that. On. I'm good with you saying that. <laughs> okay, say, you scared me for a second. There, there. are. There are. Uh, there are third part, and I know some people think third party is moronic, but the reason people don't vote third party. It's because third party candidates don't win because people don't vote third party. But if right? more people, we have to change. Yeah. You know, because yeah, totally. the right has gotten so far right and the left has gotten so far left, millions upon millions upon millions of Americans fall more in the center. Right. And there are, you know, there are other there totally. are other avenues. Um, and and I think if we can get our support behind them, we can open the eyes to some of those other in those two main parties. Yeah. Which well, I think that I think our our two party system is flawed. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I said it. You know, we we I said it Sunday. It was one of only two or three statements that I made that could like kind of verge on being just outright political. Which was that you know, for those of you who think that the right or left represent you at all, that they oh, ha- have any interest in your well-being, uh, you are drastically misguided. Dead wrong. There is not a Republican or Democratic candidate that exists in the world today that has the people's best interests at heart hmm. period like and yeah change my mind uh, you know like <laughs> so um, hashtag and uh, oh god i want to say this but <laughs> i'm gonna say this if we have to edit it we will oh lord even the even the topic at hand for sunday okay the 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 abortion okay i mean you talk about this at breakfast yeah um the 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 right had the opportunity for two years. I'm good with you saying that. to do something. Yeah, when the Republicans controlled all three branches of government for the last two years up yep. until no, the November election, mm-hmm. they had an opportunity to do something and they didn't. I'm of the belief they actually don't want abortion to become illegal because then they lose that power when they campaign to get all the Christians to vote for them. Mm. If abortion was legal. That's one big issue that goes away of what they're going to go fight for. Vote for me because I'm going to go get rid of Roe v. Wade. If we get rid of Roe v. Wade, then they have that's gone from their campaign. Right. So then what is it? Right. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I personally believe a, from a from a power standpoint, which the Democrats and the Republicans are all about, it's, it's about power, right? right. Um, to go back to what you said, they don't care about you as an individual. Uh, I don't personally believe as a whole the party the party wants abortions to be illegal because then they lose that when they campaign to get your vote. Mm. That's what I believe. So if they actually cared about abortions, which is what we talked about Sunday, as Christians, we have to care about the sanctity, sanctity of, of life. Course. And if that's what we cared about, they had two years with the the, the, the Congress, the, the executive branch with Trump in the White House as a Republican, and then the, the Supreme Court leaning conservative. They yeah. have all three branches, and they did nothing. And well, and let, I mean, let's talk about the 10 out of the last 18 years. You know, we can go all the way back to, to there, Bush's era. There was a there was a there was a small portion in Bush's eight years that that they controlled the the House and Senate as well. So, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's there. They had the opportunities and they don't. So, I would venture to say that they really it's not a big as big of a deal to them, our lawmakers, as they make it out to be when they want the Christian vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's what but I believe. since this isn't a political podcast, <laughs> oh, right. if you're still listening and if you're still with us, uh, we are going to. Take this opportunity to segue into Sunday morning's <laughs> message uh, and what we talked about, um, which um, was 
I, I don't know that, you know, personally, I don't know that I've ever preached with as much burden and concern. Um, and I'm going to use the word heaviness, but I don't really mean it in like a negative connotation as much as I just mean it in like a emotional um, position. Uh, I was just, it, it, it was, um, it's something for us. I mean, we've had this conversation already. Justin and I had it twice. We had it in staff meeting and we're having it again. You know, it's, it's one of those things in our church. This is not like you take a risk. We take a bigger risk talking about it in our church context, being multicultural and right. multi-ethnic um, no and, and all of that than many other pastors do in their predominantly uh, black or white or Hispanic churches or, and there's other ethnicities out there. But, you know, just to use those as an example, we, I, we take a greater risk because we have so many different backgrounds and even political beliefs, which was why the goal was, I mean, Pastor Dan texts me Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, um, just remind, you know, not in, in a good way, just saying like, Hey, just a reminder. I know what you're preaching on. You know, make sure that make sure you're paying attention to this, this, and this. And I appreciate that wisdom. I mean, it was it was his way of just trying to, as a pastor who's navigated very difficult conversations from a pulpit before, to say like, hey, don't forget, like this is where you need to be, and I'm praying for you, whatever. Because it's easy. Like even when we just started this podcast talking about we don't want to get political, and we got political for a second. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to go that route, mm-hmm. and, and it and it shouldn't. You know, it shouldn't always go that route. The problem is something like the issue of life has become politicized. Right. So it's so hard to tiptoe because you don't want to come across from political. It's one thing we do here on a podcast. It's another to be in a pulpit on a preaching, right? That is a completely different, um, that's just a completely different venue that some things like you even said preaching, like it is not, it, it's unacceptable almost. Like that's not what the pulpit's for. Cause right. you know, God transcends all that. You know, exactly. J- Jesus transcends whatever party affiliations we even have. Um, you know, those type of things, but it's just sad that we're at a place in our nation where even the idea of human life is politicized right. and exactly. that, and that's crazy. So you, you have to have those concerns yeah. when you're getting ready to preach because one Someone, not even you saying something wrong on accident, someone taking it wrong right. is risky. Mm-hmm. Like how they perceived what you said yeah. is risky. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the things, I mean, even going in, um, just the, our whole, my whole flow, even for how we prep the sermon, you know, for the, those that know, don't know, you know, sermon prep for us here is really a, kind of a group, group effort. Um, of course, you know, I, I definitely carry the, the weight of it and do the bulk of it, but you know, we, the staff hears our sermon before anyone else, you know, we, we do previews on Thursdays and we run it past and we collectively say, Oh, I think those words could be moved around. I think that could be better. I think we could use a different translation to communicate that more effectively. Like we do that as a, as a group, um, in this particular message, we, we didn't even do that. Um, you know, I actually met with other pastors, um, that I respect highly, um, and kind of gave them a rundown of what I was doing just to hear from them. And so there's just, it was just a much different approach, but at the end of the day, I think we accomplished something on Sunday. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as we got into the conversation, you know, uh, we came out of the gate, like it, my goal is for it not to be political but also to be full of grace. And, and, uh, I think that that was something 
that was abundantly clear throughout the entire room. Uh, and someone even wrote me a, a letter after first service and handed it to Pastor Nan. He didn't give it to me until after second service. Um, and she wrote a letter about um, how she was, how much she appreciated uh, that it wasn't this message of condemnation for right. people that have had abortions or, or even people that may have supported in the past or have been indifferent to say shame on you. But literally just uh, number one to say like, listen, as believers, we follow the book. Right. Like this Bible was written and it's not, you know, the basic instructions. Like it's, it's not that what it actually is, is a complete picture of who Jesus is and what he wants us to stand for. Um, and, uh, standing for the marginalized and the vulnerable, um, and that includes life in the womb of a mother, is not optional. Right. As Christians, it is not an option whether or not you want to, to stand for abortion. There are a hundred things in the Bible that it points out in my character that needs to change, and I don't at any point get to go, well, you know, I just don't like that one, so I'm going to keep doing me. Like, no, to follow Jesus means to follow his word. Yeah. And because of that, how we may feel politically or socially or economically about abortion does not dictate where we stand on it. Right. And that was, that was kind of the picture we wanted to paint on Sunday. So, um, so we, like we wanted to be clear, it was full of grace, um, and that it was not meant to bring shame on anyone. It's not meant to bring condemnation on anyone. Um, as a matter of fact, even to, to reach out and let people know, um, that, you know, if they, if you've experienced, if you've made that decision, if abortion has been part of your life and it's, it's bothering you, or this message makes you feel like you need to talk to someone about that. Like we even have, um, resources and people that you can talk to, uh, that lead small groups and help with this type of, um, this type of, uh, situation in your life and, and want to create resources. So. Right. And just people that have walked through that alone, because I think one of the I've never been in that situation as a female, but I can't imagine having to go through that situation and, and, you know, making that choice. And then years later, you maybe never even told anyone and just carrying that around and what that feels like. And I think in, you know, at TC, we're all about relationships in every area of life. And this might be something that you just need to talk with people that totally get it and have been there too. And we have resources for that. So if that is you and you're interested, um, please give our church office a call and we would love to hook you up with those resources. Well, you know, and in this instance, this, this particular topic, it's like so many Christians, not just churches, but so many Christians forget that kind of that concept of like grace and truth. Yeah. yeah. They're just yeah. so truth. Right. Like abortion's wrong. Sure. And, and, it, and it is and right. all these things, but like we for, we almost forget the grace part that comes with people that not everyone was just born loving Jesus. Right. You right. know, and like you just said, maybe at some point made a, um, you know, had made that decision or just come from a belief system where maybe, you know, that, that was okay or believed in it. And, you know, now God has changed their life and they follow Jesus. But, um, you know, so much of how it's presented from a Christian perspective to everyone else, it's like, it's just throwing shame mm-hmm. or condemnation. Mm-hmm. And it just makes, it makes people, why, it makes someone say, you know, I do love Jesus now, but I'm just never going to talk about this because if I do, right. I'm going to be ostracized. Right. Right. You know, and that's like, we forget that the, the grace part of right. the truth of that. Yes, abortion is wrong, but, but that doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean you're, 
uh, you're beyond God's grace in your life if you had made that or or whatever. Well, not only that, but but uh, even going down to and you know dealing with what we dealt with Sunday, um, that I I can say that it's wrong, but I also have to sympathize and empathize with the people who are experiencing it, mm-hmm. particularly as a man. Right. I do not have to carry this child for nine months. I do not have to face the the body changes, the emotional changes, the psychological changes. Right. Um, I do not have to uh, put myself in a physically vulnerable position in regards to what it may do to my health and my life. Like, so... Um, I, I, you will hear me repeat over and over. I do not agree with abortion. I, as a Christian, believe that there is no instance where we should be killing babies in the wombs of their mothers. Um, and the, 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 in addition to that, it's not even a, however, in addition to that, I feel that the conversation is far bigger than just, don't kill babies. Right. It's like, well, how, yeah, but how do we get here? Right. And I think that was what we got into on Sunday. How did right. you just feel, Karen, about this, the message on Sunday? You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but you can like give us just a. Yeah, no, I mean, I felt like, and again, I've never been in that situation, but I felt like I loved that it first of all, was so filled with, with grace and wasn't condemning because that's what I was thinking when Justin, you were talking just a minute ago, no situation doesn't matter what it is. Shame is never the solution. Yeah. Never helps condemning and, and, and casting shame on people. That's not going to help anybody. And, you know, I think some people just have, we need to rethink this. Like, you know, there are probably some people that are listening to this even now that may not agree with us. Um, you know, I stand with, with Pastor Brad and, and our church when, you know, I don't believe abortion is, is the answer either. Um, but I also don't believe that shame should be a part of the conversation at all. And I loved that you, you touched on that. Um, and a part of the sermon on Sunday, you said, you know, if you have had premarital sex or if you've had an abortion or whatever, um, shame has no place here just because if you've made that decision it is no uh, worse or um, a bigger sin quote unquote um, than maybe something I'm dealing with right now or you know um, it's it's a level playing field and I really appreciated that on Sunday that um, coming at it from that aspect yeah because you know and you know I, I think we I may have detailed it a bit more specifically in the second service than I did in the first but even man, like down to the point of shaming, you know, so 70% of people having abortions right now are confessing Christians. Mm-hmm. Now the difference between a confessing Christian and an actual Christian, right. we can have a conversation about those percentages and that's not for this topic, but let's assume that, let's assume that a good chunk of those actually are. So let's call it 50% of people having abortions are confessing Christians. What is the cause of this? Right. Um, and I think- one of the biggest ones is shame yes. and embarrassment. And the reality is, um, you know, is, is the perfect view of a family that a couple meets, saves themselves from marriage, gets married, has sex, eventually decides to have a child, then has that child in a healthy uh healthy visual of what the home should look like representing the church yes yeah and i will stand for that forever because again that's what the bible says is that the way it always works right 
no. Right. <laughs> and, right. You know. Then then you add in. I mean, you add into the mix that that sex in general as a topic is taboo in churches right. and has been forever. Right. That it's just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, and okay, uh, okay. Like I hear you, but yeah. like you talk about it. That sounds great to the people that have kids in church that you're raising in church. Just right. don't do it. Right. But when you reach people that, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like we have people sure. walking through our doors that live together. Mm-hmm. They're when they walk in the door, they live together. Boyfriend, girl, li- they live together. Right? right. So obviously we try to disciple them, but it's like we're talking about not just they ch- not just just does Jesus change their life, but we're talking everything changes for that person. Right. Right. right? And we have to and we have to disciple that, but. It's just for for years. It's just it's just been it's taboo to even talk about. Yeah. yeah well, or I, I, and then, and then in other topics of uh, of of sex, you know, you start talking about things like masturbation. Like these are things that churches don't even talk about. Right. Right. Well, and that's what I talked to. Uh, I think I told you. I may have told someone else. You know that I I knew of a couple. I didn't know them well personally, but they were really close to a friend of mine who is a minister. And one of the that he had a young couple in his church that were raised in his church where sex was a taboo. We don't talk about thing. They got married and, Oh yeah. And they spent the first three years of their marriage, um, unable to connect sexually, like intimately. Like they, the first, the first, uh, I think three or four times that they tried to have sex, she was weeping yeah. in fear. I believe that. The whole time. Like, I believe that all day. Yeah. She was like terrified because their whole whole life it was like, this is a terrible thing. You should never want to do it. Like yeah. they just like pounded. Feeling guilty. Yeah. yeah. She's like, supposed to enjoy she it. felt so yeah. guilty. That's crap. That right. after the first two months, I think, um, they just stopped sleeping together in general. Right. right. And right. they were divorced before their first year um because there were like they, they could and it's like we've that's the picture we've painted of yeah, yeah we, we got we got first of all like in the right context one god created sex right. right right and in the right context like not only should you enjoy it you should desire it you should want like it right. should not right it shouldn't make you cry <laughs> like <laughs> if you're weeping like shame on whoever that girl's Pastor, pastors and church pastor or whatever, whatever yeah. for you parents, parents yeah. the whole thing like totally. that is a totally doggone shame right yeah right. that poor girl is and crying I- on her wedding night when she's supposed to be enjoying her honeymoon she probably saved herself from marriage growing yeah. up and it's, did, did, you know yep. and um like right. everything like the thing you wait for you're crying yeah like nah man yeah. that poor guy and too like i think we have to bring up there is without a shadow of a doubt and i don't we've never the three of us have never talked about this but the shame there is a different uh, thing brought on a woman than guys yes Yes. double standard and that's why i think you know talking about abortion and bringing these things to light because i i have had friends that very similar situation they were raised in a christian home um even some people that i met when they were in in bible college you know um some you know you make a mistake or whatever i knew one of my friends that got pregnant had an abortion because she was so because with with females it your your body's gonna tell on you right yeah with, it's inevitable yeah with men like you said like you can't get pregnant so so if you never told anyone or or you could lie and say no I didn't have sex with her mm-hmm. and you're you know so I think that's why just making these topics talking about them more and it's not this taboo thing like and and having so much more grace for women and not you know. 
um, well, there's yeah. not a double standard. Well, well, we said it Sunday. I, I said it on Sunday. I was like, if you are pregnant right now and you haven't told anyone and you're thinking about having an abortion, have your baby right. and we will love you and we will care for you and we will support you in every way possible. Right. Do not take the life of that baby out of shame or right. fear because this is not a house where you have to be scared of the reality of the of the consequences of your decisions. But you also don't have to be afraid because we're not going to see you differently. Right. We totally. will not like and and that's the thing because um you know, like you just said, like have your baby and we will make sure that the, the child is taken care of and all of totally. this. Absolutely. We're also going to make sure mama that you're taken care of too yeah. and that you're not seen differently and that you're seen the exact way as before we knew that yeah. you're, you know. And, yeah. And we pointed that out Sunday, you know, as I said, the problem is, you know, and, and I, there were moments looking back on Sunday, there were moments where I was like, man, I, I was, I was almost angry, but not at the people right? at how some of our mothers have been treated and some of these babies have been treated because of, you know, it's like, don't you dare have an abortion. It's like, okay, I won't. It's like, how dare you have a baby? It's like, well, freaking A, man. Yeah, like, how, yes. what I, what, like if I, at least if I have an abortion, no one has to shame me. I right. may shame myself, but at least I can walk in a room and no one looks at me differently right. because right. they don't know. Uh, it's hypocrisy. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I said Sunday. I mean, I, I think in the second service on a few occasions, I got... I, I became boisterous because I was just so passionate about the conversation. And I was like, you know, the problem is I said, when someone becomes, when a woman gets pregnant, it's inevitable that she eventually starts showing. Right. It just happens. Right. I said, but some of, some of the pornography addictions in this room have always been able to be kept behind closed doors. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so we're going to shame this woman for her baby, right. but no one has checked you on that issue yet because right. you don't have to show it to anybody. Right. And, um, and so just trying to help people understand, you know, at, at one point, you know, I, during I, you, when you plan out a sermon like this, you can, you know, points that you're going to make that you're going to get applause. Like I can see it in my head when we're planning these out yeah. and I knew where the first place of applause was going to come. And I even put like in my notes that I was reading from, like, Pause. Pause <laughs> to tell them, thank you for applauding. I really hope you're still clapping in about five minutes mm. because it's about it's like this ship is about to turn a little bit. Yeah. And you're going to, I really hope that you're still standing on the truth of the word mm-hmm. then like you are now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just almost, it's almost funny, the hypocrisy. It's like, and I think it was Damon Thompson one time in a message Ooh. I was watching. He Dang. was like, raise your hands if you, if you uh, hate sex trafficking. Everybody raise your hands. He's like, but you watch porn though. Oh, <laughs> Damon Thompson's and he, like, and he's like, do you think sex trafficking would exist if porn, if, 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 if people didn't watch porn, would sex trafficking exist? Right. At least to the alarming rate that it does. Yeah. Yeah, Damon, yeah, Damon Thompson's a gangster. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> d- these mar- married men that go cheat on their wives with prostitutes and people that are sex trafficked, you know, it starts with porn watching. Right. So they want something different. That looks that looks like something I don't have. Then you go, like, it's it's hip- it's hypocrisy. Yeah. yeah. So we, we kicked off the service Sunday and we were talking about Hagar and Ishmael. And, uh, Ishmael. and how in Genesis 21... At some point, she has to leave with Ishmael, which is Abraham's son. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is um, very different, you know. And so, this is um, 
you know, Hagar is the forsaken slave mistress of Abraham and Ishmael is his disowned illegitimate child. Uh, who is who pr- let, let's pause though, because I've just actually, I'm almost done. I've been reading through Genesis this month. I'm okay. almost done. So I recently read this story and it, Sarah, so so for maybe people that uh, have never read this story sure. or are listening for maybe even the first time. So Abraham and Sarah are married. They are husband and wife. Sarah is unable to become pregnant, but they've received this promise from God that they're going to have um, all, all of these children and they're going to be made a great nation and have all these descendants. Right. Yep. And but problem, Sarah cannot <laughs> become pregnant. So Sarah, she's a little old. She's a little old, and so is her man's. <laughs> and so she says, "Okay, uh, the Lord has told us that we're going to have many descendants. I can't become pregnant. I'm going to take this into my own hands. I have this servant, and her name's Hagar. And I'm going to tell my. She tells Abraham, go sleep with Hagar, and she'll become pregnant, and then that child will just be like my own. And yep. there we go. Yep. Promise fulfilled. Got it. Yeah." When uh, I was except, reading that, I was like, Sarah, yeah. girl, you told no, your man ma'am. to sleep with what? Yeah. So anyways, okay, continue. So so <clears throat> we have the uh, Hagar, which was the slave mistress to Abraham, mm-hmm. and then his child, which is the, you know, Ishmael is a product of his disobedient adultery. Uh, <clears throat> and so- what we see in Genesis 21, to cut the story short, and if you want to hear the whole thing, you can check out the sermon. But at one point, she has to leave with Ishmael. And at point, one point, they run out of water, they run out of resources, and they've pretty much just surrendered that they're going to die. So she puts the child under a bush, she walks away, and she essentially is leaving it to die. And this is not a baby at this point. This right. is like this is a like a, a young, young child. child. Yeah. Um, and so I can I can't imagine her putting this child down who can walk and talk. Yeah. Saying stay here. And and Ishmael being like, "Mommy, like where are you going?" Like mm-hmm. and she's just walking away. Like and um I don't remember where I read it and I can't even remember if I did read it or if maybe it was just a thought in my head. But it it was the thought that I mentioned it was like you don't ever wonder why they do abortions in the womb. Because if they did it outside, right. the mother would have to hear their crying baby die. Wow. Wow. And it's like, because that would change things. Mm. Kill it in the womb so I don't have to hear it suffer. Mm. But anyways, um, she has to walk away and she begins weeping and the Lord hears her and God intervenes and creates a well for them to pull water from. And then in verse 20, it says, and God was with the boy as he grew up. The God never left Ishmael, right. uh, his he he was born into an unusual, uncommon, and even some would title ungodly scenario. Um, he was illegitimate to Abraham and to God because that was not what God wanted for His promise. Yet God showed up on behalf of the boy and his mother, anyways. Yeah, which shows us that the only thing that was of value to God about them wasn't their notoriety or their money or their fame or their fortune. It wasn't even that they were connected to Abraham. The only thing that made them worth something was that they were alive. Right. They were people. Right. And God looks at people and says they're valuable. Mm-hmm. And every baby that is in the womb of their mother matters to God. Right. 
Therefore, they have to matter to everyone that believes in God. Right. That's, there's no other way to look at this. There's no other conversation. Well, but it's a clump of cells. No. Like, is is that heart beating? Is that, that It is a person, and that person with, should be stood for by God. With its own unique DNA. Right. Own DNA. Yeah. It, it, the heartbeat's one thing to me. I, I, like, that's cool in and of itself, but- that is its own, it completely different DNA than it's right. than the quote unquote host, like mm-hmm. the argument that could be made. Like right, right, it's right. it's unique in and of itself. Like mm-hmm. it's a person. Totally. Yeah. So we have, you know, we run into that situation where it's like, man, helping people understand like this is a child in the womb of their mother, and in, and that child matters. Yeah. And I really appreciate Pastor Brad that you talked about kind of how you said it a couple minutes ago when we first started, but talking about. Even how did we get here and talking about some of the different statistics and stuff? Are right. you going to go through that? Yes. Yeah. And, and that kind of segues us into the three things that I pointed out to our church body as we got into this was uh, the first thing is that it, that it was time. It, it, it is time for us to merge the lines. Um, and it was kind of the only portion of the sermon if that could hinge on political but it wasn't about picking a political side. It was actually stating that as believers, you can belong to whatever side of the political spectrum you want to. Sociologically, uh, economically, you can be socialist, you can be a capitalist, you can be Democrat, you can be Republican, you can be right, you can be left. I do not care where you align yourself on any of those things. But this is not a political issue. This is a gospel issue. Right. And that it's time that we merge the lines for this conversation um, and that uh, that you can maintain all of your political affiliations, um, but that you can you can maintain all your political affiliations and make a stand for God's word that says abortion is not an answer to a problem, but rather an another pro- rather another problem that will eventually have to be dealt with. Right. Um, and to let everyone know that we need as many Christian voices on each side of the party line to take a stand for righteousness and be a voice for life. As much as we want those same voices standing for uh, racial justice, social justice, and all those other things. And, and, and what I was getting at with that is, you know, we, we made a video when the white supremacy groups showed up in Virginia a couple years back, we made a video yeah. standing like this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And we are coming out making a statement. This is not okay. And a lot of our democratic friends stood beside us. Yay. Thank you. We needed that. And it's like, okay, abortion is not okay. And it's like, they disappeared. Right. And it's like, where are y'all? Like we need your voice needs to be heard now. Like the same way that we were standing for that and you were cheering. We need you cheering. for Right. This if too. you're going to be pro-life when things like that happen uh, last year, or I can't remember how long ago things like that happened. It, it's the same. It's still pro-life. Right. Like yeah, 100%. if you're going to be pro-life, you're pro-life the entire life. And I love that you got into that a little bit on Sunday and talking about if we want women to have their babies, what are we going to do when they have them? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, <laughs> and that, the, the, most people are pro-birth yeah most, that's the sad part yeah, right exactly yeah. but the, we don't have that as a term that and, doesn't the term right, doesn't and exist that, but that's know? the problem yeah you can't be pro-birth and not be pro-life 
Oh, <laughs> I mean, you can. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying you, you shouldn't. shouldn't be. Yeah, no, you no. shouldn't. That's what I mean. You, yeah. I guess you can, but you shouldn't. Yeah. So that segues us into the second thing that we talked about, which is that it's a time, uh, it's a time to fight for life. Um, and we kind of gave off some statistics uh, about assistance that, you know, according to 2013 studies, and this is five years ago, six years ago now, the cost to raise a child from birth to 18 years old was $245,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and so, um, so it, and, for 18 and, years? Yeah. And helping people understand that the Bible makes it clear that we are to be a voice for every baby inside every womb. And for the mother whose womb they are in. Right. Because it's so easy. To, like, you have to have this baby. It's like, okay, well, we need good health care. No, we're not into that. So like, we don't want to provide health care for everyone. It's like, well, so do they have the baby and have health care or do they not have the baby? Justin is like, biting his tongue over there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the whole thing is like, this is, again, this is not removing politics from the conversation about how the right feels or how the left feels and strictly identifying as Christians what we are to do. And if you are a Democrat or a Republican or whatever, at the end of the day, we can't demand that people have babies, but then demand them the health care they need to be able to take care of those babies. Mm. Don't just love the baby, but forget about the mother. Right. Because that's not being pro-life. Right. First uh, John three sixteen through eighteen. By this we know love that he laid his da- his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers or sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet closes his heart against him or her, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, this is my favorite part. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Like, don't make it, don't talk like you're a Christian, but not show it. Right. And if you're going to show it, that's how you have to do it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know? And, um, and, and that was where we kind of brought in the, even the shame factor. Like we have to give assistance. We have to do away with shame. Um, we have to become the, we as believers have to become a better picture for what adoption looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we rattled off tons of statistics. I go back and listen to the sermon for all the statistics, but, uh, the one that, I think directly matters to us in this region. In our region, there are 1,400 children in the foster care system right now. Mm-hmm. In Santa Rosa and Escambia County, there are 1,200 churches. Oh my gosh. And w- when we use that term region, it branches a little bit outside of Escambia, Santa Rosa County. And I did the research. If every church, if one family in every church would adopt one child, we could do away with the foster care system in, our, in the United States of America. That's crazy. Not if every family did. If right. only one family out of every church adopted one child in the foster care system, there would be no foster care system in our country. Wow. So you got to have that baby, but I don't want to open my door to anybody. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah. Better change that tone. Right, right. Because the gospel in and of itself the fact that any of us listening to this podcast get to walk in grace today afforded to us by the love of Jesus Christ means based on Galatians 4 that we would receive adoption as sons and daughters. Right. Which means that we did not belong to the family of God and yet he brought us in anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm. So th- these kids may not belong to your family based on their birth. But based on the gospel, we had need, we had better and we need to bring them in anyways. Right, right. 
So we cannot demand that our nation take a stand for the life of a baby if we are not taking that same stand to see those babies aided, families assisted, and children who are given up after birth placed in a home. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Yep. Is it, is it true that it costs a bunch of money to adopt a kid? It, 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 that's kind of a problem too then, right? It, it is an outrageous amount of money to adopt a kid. I think there are circumstances that make it even more expensive. I don't have enough education to directly speak on all the details of it. Because I, I thought I heard someone say that they know someone that um, they adopted a baby, but mm-hmm. they spent like $30,000 right. to adopt this baby. Yes. I, I was like, it could be pretty what would happen if they didn't spend the money? Did the baby just grow up in foster care? Like maybe that needs to be from a, from a, like a, certainly needs to be we a, need to look at yeah. as far as the nation on making that, making that right. easier, you know? Right. Like, which is, yeah. Which is ridiculous to me. It's like, wh- yeah. who, who's that? Who gets that money? Yeah. <laughs> what does the government need it? Well, but, I mean, you there know, has if, to be but, case studies done. But and, if, if let's just say on average, it's 15,000, I don't know the answer. Sure. Call um, it even 10. What, you know, but to, Maybe there's people out there who would certainly adopt, but 10 G's lying around, you know, is not a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think based on a conversation that I've had before, I think I get the premise where if you can't save 10 grand over three years, then there's no way you can afford to take care of that baby anyways. Right. I get, I get the idea. I, I still think it's drastically misguided and it's ridiculous. It's a ludicrous amount. So, it's, you know, it's like there, we can't create budgetary movements for the sake of getting these kids adopted like well that would be like so saying whatever. though but you have to look at it almost like uh cash flow like right i might not be able to save two hundred forty thousand dollars over the next 18 years if i couldn't have a kid until i could have saved the 200 whatever that number was right right because that, that's thirteen thousand six hundred dollars a year i would have to save to, to save $240,000. So if it took me right. 18 years before I could have a kid, but it's not necessarily about how much money you got, it's cash flow. Sure. You know, yeah. I got, no, totally. I got a check it's, comes every week. Yeah, we can buy the ravioli it's or a diapers system. or yeah. whatever. It, it's, it's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. I, I do agree with you. And I, I am, I don't know what those numbers are. Yeah. I'm sure they're far too high, no matter it, what they are. It's a, it's a, the question is an example of how everything's got to be looked at. Right. You know, to, fi- to fix this issue, we have to look at everything. Right. Yeah, that's we, why we need politicians, like even working together yeah. across the aisle and all this. Because you have to, you have to say, okay, well, we want more people to adopt, so we got to look yeah. at the adoption system. Right. Well, is, it, is it easier? Right. And I had someone come up to me after, and we'll get into this last part. I had someone come up to me after church on Sunday, and they were like, you know, that's a there, there's there's more you should have said about X, Y, and Z. And they were they were talking about Planned Parenthood, and they were right. Um, you know, the 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 founder of Planned Parenthood was uh, attempting to create genocide through abortions um you know and she's currently supported by heavily by a party platform right now which goes to show that they don't have any interest in the people they strictly have an interest in their own agenda but with that said um you know the the founder of Planned Parenthood was trying to eliminate any babies that aren't white and had a particular agenda against African-American babies like she wanted them eradicated from the earth like done um particularly our country and he was doing that and I, and my response to him was like yeah I, that is absolutely true and i agree with you the however is my goal from this past sunday wasn't to realign someone politically right. to make these decisions my goal from this past sunday was to show them that the bible says this is a must mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and however it works itself out for you as a person if that means you change your political affiliation or you change your standpoint on this topic in the midst of your political affiliation or um, you adopt a child or you do it or you, you know, 
pay more attention to Planned Parenthood or, you or, know, whatever. I mean, even changing how you've seen someone that has had an abortion totally. or or that didn't, thank God. And I mean, I remember I remember being in um, school one time and this was not a girl that went to school with me, but she went to the church we went to and she was dating a guy and they had premarital sex and she got pregnant before they got married. And I remember that um, someone in the church started talking about throwing this girl a baby shower. And it was a conversation of should we throw a baby shower for this girl? Because if we do, are we showing support for what they did? The fact that it was even a conversation <laughs> oh, is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, I yeah. mean, I think everything you just said, yes and amen. But then also just like how you said, like there's so many things that we could continue to talk about that are well, adding and, to this issue. And, but yeah. starting with us. And and, let, let's be real. To Christians out there, I'm going to say this. Come on. It's a lot easier to pick it in an abortion clinic uh-huh. than it is to get involved in the student ministry and start from the ground up. Hey. Come on. You know, you can. Come on. We feel It's just like Christians go on mission that. trips. We go on a mission trip to a third world country. We pat ourselves on the back because we right. handed out lollipops and, and did something. And, and you actually did something, yeah, but then yeah. you leave and that there's still the, like, it's, it's, yeah, we can, we, we as Christians, the three of us right now could go to an abortion clinic here in town and pick it and high five each other on how we're doing our Christian duty. Right. Yet we can, but people, those same people will refuse to serve in a kid ministry at a church or a youth ministry and teach these kids yep. from the ground up what it means to live a godly life. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and that's crap. When here at the end of the day, bottom line, and this is what, this is what the whole message is about to, to, <laughs> to sum it up. Not this, but anyway, to, to go back what you're saying, the Bible doesn't tell me anything about whether I should throw a baby shower for that girl. Right. What the Bible does say is that I should love her and extend the same grace to her that was extended to me. Right. The Bible doesn't say anything about what I should do in light of her pregnancy. Uh huh. The Bible tells me what I should do to her and her child, right. which is love them and show them the image of Christ. Right. Like. And that's the thing. It's like, man, the church historically uh, is terrible about majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. It's like, let's pay big attention to this thing that is not communicated in the gospel at all, but let's ignore this big part of the gospel that That was communicated. Yeah. Because, bro, it makes people feel good. It's false. (laughs) Makes people feel righteous. That's right. Righteous. it's, it's, It's this Western church culture we got, bro. Yeah. It's like, it's... Well, that's, and I don't even think it's the Western church culture. I think the Western church culture is more lean towards the prosperity gospel. And, uh-huh. uh, and but I think this is the, this is the Bible belt mentality. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Southern gospel, not the music yeah. genre, but I think it's this Southern Bible belt, religious gospel um, that says I'm righteous because I belong and you're not righteous because you don't. Mm-hmm. And the reality is none of us are righteous. No, not one. Right. Um, and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So, yeah. and, and getting people to understand that, you know, and we have to, as Christians, put our money where our mouth is Come as on. well. Come on. And here locally, you, you mentioned it Sunday, yep. safe Harbor, safe Harbor is fantastic. Yeah. Right. So, Safe Harbor, one, if you think you're pregnant, you can go to them and they will do pregnancy tests for free to verify you're fully pregnant. Uh, I I don't know if fully pregnant. Fully. Or yeah. If the, you're pregnant I'm or you're not. Pregnant. <laughs> yeah, there is no in between. <laughs> I guess what I meant was like, even if you've done a pregnancy test at home, right, like right, they'll right. go verify. Um, and this is a this is a almost like a hospital that is an alternative to abortion. Mm-hmm. And then they help you afterwards. Like I know of a girl, 
I don't, I don't know her. She was at an event I was at on behalf of Safe Harbor who they helped her get her GED. They helped her become a mother right. and the baby's father, they, they gave him fathering classes. Wow. Like this organization is fantastic. And it only costs $1,200 to save a life wow. through Safe Harbor. That's what their expense is. Right. From the time a mother walks into the time they help her deliver the baby and get her what it needs to be, it costs them 1200 bucks. That's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So, so for all these Christians out there who want to say they're against abortion, we have to support organizations like this. Totally. Right. And $1,200 is nothing. Churches should be behind it. Individual people. Like, stop with the prosper. Stop sending your money to the televangelist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, send it, send uh, it and, and send it to the safe like harbor that. because totally. the televangelist is staying in $20,000 a night suites on your money. Come on. And you ain't got a Cadillac uh, yet. So, uh, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. So, uh, I, I'm still uh, watched the American Gospel, you know, last <laughs> Bro, week. So, I'm so still good. So, um, so good. Anyways, um, yeah, you ain't got a Cadillac yet, but you, so, um, and you don't need that little special prayer cloth that they're going to send you. Like, just just pray. Okay? Just yeah. pray on your own. That little prayer yeah. cloth. Um, whatever. I know I'm, I'm hating on a lot so, of people today. Well, it, it just is what God, it is. Uh, there's a lot of clarity that's right brought now. up. <laughs> Man, that made me feel, I feel yeah. lighter. So, and then lastly, what we got at is uh, is fighting for life from the womb to the tomb. And I, I want to encourage you to go back and just watch the sermon. There's no way we can we can really no, uh, a whole lot. dig into this. But the, rea- the reality is... Uh, that the vast majority of abortions happening in minority neighborhoods are far more connected to the government establishments that exist than we realize they are. Go ahead. No, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I thought, okay. And, and with that said, and I, I was really appreciative of some of our, um, I just, you know, white and conservative and not that those things are always synonymous, but, um, no, they're not. <laughs> so, but that some of our people that were just unaware, they were unaware of redlining. They're un, they're still uneducated on mass incarceration. Um, you know, and, and just to rattle off some of these statistics, African-American women make up for 40% of abortions in 2015. African-American women account for only 13.7% of the population that same year. Uh, over uh, almost half of the abortions in the country were happening within a 13.7% uh, percent of the women that exist. Yeah. And that's not a slam on, on African-American women. As no, a matter no. of fact, uh, it's a, it's to help other people see why this exists. 75 where black men uh, arrested 75% more likely to face a charge with a mandatory minimum sentence than uh, white counterparts. Um, black men face 20% longer or more severe sentencing after arrest than a white man with the exact same record and the exact same offense. Um, so we have the fathers of babies were demanding life for imprisoned with longer sentences, thus causing the women to make a decision about their baby alone. Uh, and I still, I still agree that life is the answer, but we have to continue to make a stand for minority brothers and sisters in the communities that they have been forced to raise their children in due to redlining, uh, to see change happen on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, a, a huge portion of, of what we got into. And the, the three reason, the three primary reasons that women have abortions is safety, finances, and fathers. Right. Um, so safety, finances, and fathers, all of which have an all-out war placed against them in the uh, uh, by the enemy, to and has used uh, in in large in part both the Democratic and Republican parties to create these uh, laws and, and make it possible to keep our minority brothers and sisters held down. And, and I'm going to use the term um, 
both mentally, psychologically, financially, and in every other capacity. Uh, so their communities are being run down, but then we want to tell them they have to raise a baby in them. And that's, we can't, right. we can't do that. So, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, it's just huge. And I just want to read this last paragraph. And then if you guys have anything, uh, you can, you can take it away. But the reality is here's where I stand on it. Um, we as Christians have to take a stand and declare that if we are saying yes to the gospel, we are saying yes to grace. And if we are saying yes to God and we are saying yes to heaven and we're saying yes to the eternal benefits given to us by a loving savior, that we had better carry the full message of that same gospel. One that says God loves all of his creations, which is every boom, uh, baby in a womb of their mother. No Christian can say that abortion is ever permitted or okay and it be right, period. If you do, you are suggesting that God is not sovereign enough to handle a a mother's health and light of the baby's presence, and that we need to take control out of God's sovereign and infinite hands where all wisdom and knowledge resides and put it in our own hands encompassed with finite and limited knowledge. We are suggesting that we know better of what is for us than God does. We are saying that what happens on this earth to us as humans is more of a concern for us than our desire to follow God with our full heart even if that means facing uncertain outcomes with faith while trusting him in the midst of pregnancies. Mm. That was my drop. one of my closing paragraphs from Sunday. So um, it is required that we, yes, as believers, we must make a stand against abortion and for life. We don't have to stand against the person that is thinking about having an abortion. We stand against the act of having that abortion. We stand for the person so that they can experience the love and mercy and and grace and hope that comes from Jesus and encourage them to make a different decision. And in that, um, we sympathize and empathize with all the scenarios that may surround it. But at the end of the day, we want to see that that baby live and we want to see the mother thrive and we want to see them put into a church family where Christ is glorified and the gospel goes forward. Yes, and amen. So, Boom. Justin, tell them where they can find more on the church. Transformationchurch.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation in Pensacola. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. I encourage you, if you have not listened to the message from Sunday, please go do that. All of this will make way more sense if you will go back and have a listen to that sermon. We are grateful for you, Karen. Thank you for jumping on with us. No problem. All right, guys. We'll see you next week for another sermon. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. See you. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.